Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hey, hey, hey. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. Uh, enjoying my really, really yummy coffee today. Mm. Kind of need it because it's it's been really great the last couple of days here in southern Ontario. Not a lot of sunshine. I think I saw three minutes of it the other day. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of sad. But uh, today's topic is, a, I think, a really important one because, well, marginalizing Jesus. Um, do people deconstruct Jesus right out of their faith? Some seem to. <clears throat> but then they... You know, they uh, broadcast it everywhere, and they they rub it in the faces of their their former Christian friends, and they think they're still part of a network of people uh, called believers by taunting their lack of belief. It's it's really frustrating, and it uh, it can scare somebody who is just beginning to um, question some of the uh, doctrines that have been spoon fed to them growing up. We need a safe place to do that. There has to be a place of questioning. Every reformer, every person that made a change questioned things. Uh, those changes were usually internal first. Um, something was they're really wrestling with. So I've just I've seen people kind of, you know, write Jesus right out of it or make him equal to Buddha and equal to just a he's just a prophet or just just this or just that. It's like hmm, I, I can't go there. I, I won't go there. And so this conversation with uh, Richard Murray, Bill Thrasher, Fred Young, Randy, and myself, I think was really, really important. Um, I hope you'll enjoy that today and find it encouraging, especially if you were, uh, you're unlearning or unchaining from religion and uh, how to deconstruct from uh, uh, the, these false concepts without losing your faith. And that's, I think, what this program is helpful for, too, because this is about encouraging us that <clears throat> we can question these things without losing our faith because the faith we have is a gift given to us but anyway, i don't want to give this whole thing away so let's let's dig into this great interview um i think it'll be meaningful if you if, if you enjoy it just share with somebody else later and let us know you're enjoying it because we don't hear a lot of feedback from a lot of people so uh, i kind of i'm kind of one of those people that i do need feedback i i want to know it's going okay and the content's half decent and suggestions and all that stuff so here we go let's dig in all right. Good morning or afternoon. Well, this actually airs in the morning, so welcome to Still Growing Grace. I've got uh, Fred, Richard, Randy, and Bill, and um, we're kind of starting this new year. Well, first of all, together. We This is the first time we've had five people uh, kind of chatting through. We may, maybe did one episode, but um, to see this become uh, many minds and backgrounds from different you know, work backgrounds even. Um, two of us are pastors, a lawyer, good grief, praying for him still. And then uh, I got elect, you know, electronics. And Randy, I forget what you do. Um, An arborist. Arbor. Arbor, the tree guy. Oh, yeah, so you, cool. he, he teaches a lot about pruning, you know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but each of the lenses and exposure we have to folks in this unlearning and discovering a better, more hopeful perspective on who Jesus is in the gospel 
I couldn't be with better people to journey on this. I've not arrived. None of us have, but we've tackled different topics uh, over the years. And uh, I, I was looking at my, the time that I've been at my church, I, I hit the 20 year mark in the first Sunday of December, which is nuts to be at one church that long. They haven't fired me yet, <laughs> but it's been a, a church that allows me to make mistakes, allows me to wrestle with a theology that um, was not traditional. Like there's very few churches in Canada that would let you journey and unlearn and rediscover and tire kick a better lens on who God is. And so I'm honored by that. And so to look forward to the next number of years, if I've learned so much of the last 33, how much more in the next five, 10, like really how much more? And um, my eyes are actually looking for the good now. Um, but I have noticed a pattern in a number of friends that I've come across and that uh, we're calling this one marginalizing Jesus, where, where I'm seeing folks, they, they say, yeah, Jesus, they, they think they've become more spiritual than Jesus in some ways, where they write him out of the equation and dismiss the deity of Christ in language that my philosophy is better than all of your theology and creates a brand new us versus them. I don't know if you guys are seeing that with your friends or not, um, or in conversations you're having coffee shops or with people, but can we kind of chat through this one first, maybe share what you're being exposed to and where you see it in your context, and then we'll kind of banter back and forth. Foreheads nod. His friend, who gets to pick friends? We haven't, well, we haven't figured this out yet because we're used to just two of us or three of us, right? So everybody's being yeah. nice. Fred and Randy are just being quite nice. Like, I'll, no, I'll, just, I'll just be the sacrificial lamb. You know, I'll go first. Um, no, I, I, I have seen this. Um, you know, we've been doing this together, Michael, Richard, and I, for for a better part of the two years that, that you've, right. you've been doing this thing. And, and, um, it's been interesting. I, you know, I probably started my journey of, of reevaluating faith over a decade ago, and it's been a very, you know, interesting up and down journey, ins and outs, all sorts of things, friends that have come, uh, influences that have helped, but also then kind of deviated and just, you know, the one consistent I've had personally, and I think we share this is, is Jesus. Jesus has always been the, the non-negotiable of yeah. my kind of adventure. And um, it, it doesn't seem to be the same way for everyone. And I think that's been kind of an, uh, uh, something I've had to process through, not just recently, but I mean, going over the last three or four years, it, you see this kind of happen. I don't know why. Uh, well, I should say that. I think I kind of do know why. Um, but I, 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 it's interesting that you don't, it's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing when you're engaged with someone to predict. Hmm. Maybe that's what I'm looking at. Like people that you think are super grounded end up maybe not as, as grounded in the idea of Jesus being the complete Messiah in Christ, the creator, sustainer, endurer of all things. Right. Um, and, and they kind of go to a place where again, they marginalize Jesus. And I, I say that, um, to, to note that I've, I wouldn't lost friendships, but I've definitely had to change relationships based upon that. Interestingly enough, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this in many, many ways, it's similar to the reevaluation that I had in the evangelical church, 
which ironically, and again, I think they marginalized Jesus just in a different way, not in name, but in but in how he presented himself and how that is our our icon for interpreting the good news, right? And how we are supposed to evaluate this this way of faith. Um, they've marginalized Jesus and they've elevated the Bible and they've elevated God. So the same thing happens in a post-deconstruction world of somewhere where you get right philosophy and mystery begin to trump the tangible goodness and histor- historical person of Jesus. And I just can't, I can't let go of Jesus. I can't. He's too mesmerizing and too, too <laughs> real for me. Um, and, and that's just non-negotiable, at least in my, in my faith. That's good. Mm. Um, you know, for, for me, um, if, if I think of maybe faith and what I've been taught in, in the center of it, if I think in terms of circles at the center of the circle, is Jesus. It's clear white. It's crystal clear. The person of Jesus, the son of the living God. Outside of that, um, things began to get a shade of gray. And I don't always understand everything there as clearly as I do focus on Jesus. He's the anchor. And from my upbringing that I shared a little bit with you guys from a a very conservative, fundamental Baptist background. Uh, Bill mentioned it. Jesus is marginalized in that setting as well because the scripture is elevated beyond what Jesus says. So the flat text kind of idea and and the words of Jesus can be marginalized and, and an Old Testament viewing of particular, you know, Joshua and taking the land and buying all, all kinds of things trumps what, uh, you know, what Jesus had to say. And so Jesus gets marginalized sometimes in that setting as well. But for me, I'm with Bill. I Amen to that. Jesus is um, my anchor. He's my friend. He's uh, my uh, sort of wisdom, my joy, my... Uh, so um, I, I don't... I'm not familiar as much as with, with uh, some of this that's going on um, but a little bit, Randy. I'm curious. I'm curious what uh, with your book that you wrote recently. How how this topic uh, jives in with with that book? Oh yeah. Well, well the 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 book is it is all about Jesus. It's uh, it's it's Jesus 101 maybe. Uh, and and I I really I, I I bear witness to what both you guys are saying, Fred and Bill. Uh, and that the marginal marginalization is happening sort of on both ends. When, when I, you know, I, I really, I, I've had a Facebook account for a long time, but I really wasn't active at all until about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And I started making friends and talking to people and that sort of thing. And I was actually shocked to find out that there were people who were in this process, this journey that all of us are are in in, in in knowing God's goodness and his character. But there were people who went beyond, you know, the deconstruction into I don't know, something else. And they overran know, the bases big time. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And um, 
and and man, I wanted to like plead with these people and and stuff, but it, but there was there was a lot. Uh, I was surprised by it, but at the same time, I, I I do see what you're saying, Bill. That that marginalization is happening on the other, and that's what I'm running from. <laughs> they marginalized Jesus over here in the you know in the churches, and and uh, and and that's I'm I'm trying, and I think you guys as well. We're trying to get back to a pure. This is this is our faith. This is the faith that that we're into, and it it is completely Jesus and all about Jesus. He is the exact representation and image of our Father, um, and He's all we need to know. It's uh, not so, even a new Jesus, is it? It's a more ancient understanding. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Well, I uh, I think that um, you know the marginalization. We can marginalize him by making him, I think, listening to y'all, it's like it's two It's two things. We can marginalize him in the sense of not considering him God in the flesh, you know, that he descended from heaven to the incarnation. You know, there's mm-hmm. that, if, if uh, I, I love it, it's in John 3 that no man has ascended up to heaven, no human has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, that is the son of man who was in heaven. And, mm-hmm. and just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man was to be lifted up. Uh, and, and then, you know, elsewhere, draw all men to himself and, and, and to him. So I think that, uh, uh, you know, that th- he can be diminished and marginalized that way. And then the, the other way it can be marginalized is, is as, that we, we marginalize him as our friend, that he is our best friend. You know, I, I was praying the other morning and I was sort of it was one of those prayers where I was praying how to pray. You know, what should I pray? You, you know, how should I pray? You know, just trying to find the entry into the river. And uh, I felt like I just started meditating on Jesus as my friend, as my ever present friend by my side. Someone who throughout the day is a chum to me. Now, he's more than a chum, but he also yeah. is the best chum I've ever chummed around with. Right. And I, and I was in both both these and you see the marginalization, especially in the churches, you know, where where Jesus isn't isn't acknowledged as our intimate friend. And, and he's our friend on a corporate level. Yeah. But he's, he's our friend on an intimate individual level as well. And to see that marginalized, you know, and, 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 and here's the proof of that. You know, people talk about Jesus like he's not in the room. Uh, that's what I can never understand. You know, to have the awe of the Lord is to talk about he's in our richly in our conversation here. He's very interested and he's amicable towards us, uh, towards what we're trying to say. And he's helping us try to hone this thing, you know, in, in a way that blesses each other and blesses his name and blesses people who hear this. But mm. then but then on the other side, you know, if, if he's not God, if he's not you know, what, 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 what is it I'm supposed to believe about him? And if I believe that he's God, what is it? What are the things that he's, he's done here to, to uh, the things that he has for us. And when we start thinking about, you know, the, the gifts that he's given us, you know, the, the gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, those are all, you know, I, I, I stumbled on this word one time, propassion and propassion is a theological term, but it means the actual emotional and mental states of somebody. And it talked about that Jesus has given us his propassion, his actual emotional states to live within us. Now, we call these the fruit of the spirit. But but more than that, his mental states, his mental attitudes, he's given us. That's the beatitudes. He's given us himself 
to be such a close friend to us that we actually can merge with that friendship and link to it and weave ourselves in and out so that he's actually befriending us through our emotions and befriending us, you know, through our giftings, you know, the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit. I mean, these things are magnificent things that if he weren't God, he couldn't give to us, yeah. you know, so just, just to understand his divinity and, and what he can work and do through and for us, but also more than anything else, you know, that he is our friend and that he loves us. And, and, uh, you know, I love the, uh, you know, when he says, let not your heart be troubled, believe in God, and believe also in me. Time and time again, what he says of God, he then immediately says of himself. You know, so I take joy that God, that he is, as Colossians says, the full representation, the exact representation of the Godhead. Yes, at the same time, he's the exact representation of the best friend we will ever, ever have, both individually and corporately. That that belongs in the center of the page. Not to the not to the margin. And you know the danger when you start marginalizing something? What happens after you marginalize someone goes to the margin? What then happens? They can fall off the page. And not that Jesus is going to fall off anyone's page. He won't let that happen. But still, it does fall off the page of your consciousness, you. you know, as as we neglect our so great a salvation. And then if you have a big mouth, you scare everybody else off the page too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, because I think I think half of the rebuttals. Um, cause some folks don't like the term deconstruction. It's a bad word and blah, blah, blah. But there are some folks who are doing destruction, not deconstruction, and they're writing Jesus out of the whole book. And, uh, just because you, you heard that there's another way to see something, uh, for one, I think that's wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing or rather, let me rephrase that. I'm open to hearing um, lenses I've not seen or heard from before, but I'm going to, I'm going to evaluate them as I hear them. I'm not just going to accept them. Well, that's new. It must be, it must be right. You know, and that's not it. The spirit in us tells us there's a something in us that kind of gravitates to it goes, yeah, that brings me joy that yes, that, that rings true. Now you keep studying and finding out, ah, I'm not the only one there. There are more, there are others. In fact, this is a more ancient truth. So just because something is new, um, be careful, it's, doesn't, it's just new to you, but there's also old, ancient, bad theology out there that dismisses the divinity of Jesus. That's not yeah. new either. Yeah, yeah there's, this, there's this idea. It's funny. My son is taking a, uh, a religion course at school, and he's a bioengineering major, bio, biomedical engineering major, but he's going to help him out with his GPA and stuff. He's doing a religion minor, which is kind of funny. And he's doing one and he, he's dead, dad, dad, dad. Um, my professor told me about this thing called Gnosticism. We just studied it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Oh, like this stuff's wacky. I was like, yeah, isn't that cool? And so it's like his first warrant, but it, what in reality is that the church, if we want to call that post Christ, post Jesus Christ, post post resurrection and ascension has been fighting this, battle for a long time we really yeah. have this idea that our knowledge our ability to gain some special key piece of information that's better than person a or person b can elevate us into this place of consciousness or awareness that equalizes us with jesus and this is the again i go to this word a lot the paradox of jesus is jesus brings him down himself down to our level there's nowhere we have to elevate 
And yet in doing so, and the book of Revelation expresses this in tremendous allegory, he is the name above all names. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords, right? He is the one and only that can break open the seal. So while Jesus is the most humble human who's ever walked the earth and would never make of himself anything more than the one who sacrifices himself to show us the heart of God, in turn, he is also the the most elevated one, right? And it's this, it's this wrestling match. And none of us, and, and myself most most exclusively, and Paul kind of communicated the same thing. You know, he's the chief of sinners. And I think what he's saying by that is can come close to expressing how high Jesus is and how low Jesus is at the same time. Mm. We are all somewhere in the middle of that. And he is the apex. And yet he is he is the alpha and he is the omega, right? He is the beginning and the end. He's the top and the bottom of the spectrum of humanity. And yes, we all are made in his image. We are all a part of this body of his spirit and producing unique attributes of his fruits. But he is the quintessential Adam, right? He is the blueprint for what we are all designed to be. But that doesn't make us especially in this world, we, we are not equal to Jesus in, in revelation. We, we may have equal to him in inheritance, but we are not equal to him in revelation. Yeah. When you get to the union part, it's go ahead, Fred. I see you ready. To <laughs> well, um, you know, scripture tells us when we, to, to uh, prove what is true, to test Paul, Paul told us in first Thessalonians to test it. And, and hold on to what is good, which tells me if I'm, if I'm holding on to what is good, I, I'm releasing what is, what is not good. But one of the things that I, I toss this out maybe for conversation, I don't have a, a great answer for it. But you know, Bill mentioned the church history and how uh, Athanasius in, in particular uh, really upheld the deity of Christ in, in the battle in the church. But, but, one of the ways these things were tested in the in the early uh, church was the church. The church was the pillar and ground of the truth. Yep. And so th- there was this coming together and there was this accountability in a sense, if you will. We didn't walk the path alone. Mm-hmm. One of the concerns I have, probably because I'm a pastor, is that that individuals might be away from the church so much. Mm-hmm so much anti-church that, that they're not um, uh, reaping the benefit of being together and holding certain yeah. ideas uh, and testing them with other brothers and sisters that the Holy Spirit is working with. So, so uh, one of the things that helped me real quick so much was when I went through this process, I was alone uh, with cer- certain ideas, but th- there was this community that was the church that was actually online uh, that, that I found that actually came and the Lord used that to solidify these ideas. But um, I don't know exactly how that's going to work in this new era with so Mm -hmm. much individuals walking away, but there, there seems to be a a need of bringing these ideas back to the church for uh, an examination. Wow. That's good. I couldn't agree more. I, I I think we've said it before, Michael, Richard, and I have on, on previous conversations is I, I do think that, again, this is, this is a little 
you know, conjecture. But if you look at the history of the church, give or take every 500 years or so, there's a pretty disruptive event, you know, 500 years into the church, little, little before, but give or take, you had, you know, uh, the institutionalization of the church where Rome had come in and really kind of just institutionalized it. And there's this unified Catholic universal church. And then 500 years later, you have this giant schism for East and West. And 500 years later, we have the Reformation and the Protestant movement. And here we sit another, give or take 500 years later, and it just feels like there's this tension and in, in this fragmented church of 44,000 denominations and views and just, and it does feel like it's almost splintering apart so that it can, re- can recoalesce. I agree. I don't know how it does, but community of the believers is could not be more essential to the process of testing these things and finding kind of a ecumenical bond that we can agree on some principle, you know, foundations. But even now, I don't feel like we're there, mm-hmm. at least from a institutional standpoint. It's almost like those pillars have to collapse so that, that that we can go back to the original foundation. Of what I, I don't do. think, I don't think the institutions are the authority anymore. I think I that's agree. what's changing. I think it is, yeah. this mess up of, of individuals, us five from really eclectic <laughs> backgrounds and, and paths, like this is one place where we can wrestle through some questions. You got to get it back come. to Jesus, which is, and yep. you know, yeah. that's what the conversation is today is yep. finding that, solid rock foundation but you also have one another so that if uh if bill says something really weird in the broadcast <laughs> i'll message him later say what the heck is that and he did that but he did that to me not too long ago about a quote but ah he brought a lens to a quote i shared and i thought that's brilliant this is how we do it and i think the the way this is possible and why the reason we can do this is because of teachability no one here thinks they're absolutely right we're still all learning and we're yeah. resonating and finding others on the journey too that are not so dogmatic. Right? right. Can I share something on that point? Heather shared this uh, last night. We, uh, I've seen something yesterday about, you know, Bill Belichick retiring <laughs> and uh, uh, Luke uh, Staben uh, retiring from Alabama and how different it was. And because Belichick wouldn't change, he wouldn't budge, he wouldn't change. So he basically, you know, gets fired. I mean, they, they agree for him to go, but he can't stay. Whereas Saban left on his own terms because he continued to change as college football modernized, you know, offensively and otherwise, he went with it. He remained teachable. That was the word that Heather saw. He remained mm, teachable. That's cool. And uh, when you start hunkering down in your own rules and what you think and that you think you've seen it all before and, sent, you know, that you've already done it all before that's the very moment when you start becoming cemented and concreted and you lose your fluidity and you and and dryness almost always comes with that but um so i i uh, mike when you said teachability i think that 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 really triggered something in me and, and the other thing you know the other thing i was thinking was just i get back to communion you know we're 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 uh we've committed to doing communion uh, i used to do communion every day mm-hmm. And uh, I've straight, you know, I've gotten to where I don't do that. I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but there is a wonder in this communion. I'm sitting here looking at this verse in John that says, you know, verily I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink the blood, you have no life in you. That's pretty definitive statement there, you know, and are we, and I don't believe that when we do communion, we're actually taking him. I think it's a symbol. 
I think it's an allegory of a deeper mystical truth that we are to partake, uh, to be partakers of the divine nature. And mm-hmm. yet, if if I don't see Jesus, and, but but the only one that says that has the divine nature is Jesus. Jesus. Now, now he does impart it to us, but in terms of who's had it eternally. Yes. So it's not like Jesus is there wanting to be worshipped. He is the very personification of everything that is good, noble, just, merciful. He is perfection. So he and it's a person. What we don't understand is that these can't be ethical qualities, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't trigger anything. It doesn't transform anything. All it does is try to make you, you know, try harder in your own efforts. But what yeah. Jesus is telling us, the reason we need to drink, uh, you know, the blood and eat the flesh is because his very essence is in us wanting to blend mm-hmm. and wanting to bob up to the surface and blend with us and blend with us in all our ways. And um and I think this is this is what's being marginalized. That's being marginalized from the church, <laughs> you know, uh, being marginalized on on one level. And it, that both sides are doing that. He's not my friend, and I'm not, you know, I'm not in the uh, mystical union with him. But nor is he God, though. And you're not in a mystical union with him. So I mean, it, it is on both sides of the aisle. But I just this is so this is so raw what we're talking about here. This is just raw as raw as faith can be is that Jesus is our faith. He is the personification of our faith. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And that is something to obsess about. All Something I say about all you guys, that one big reason I love all you guys, is because y'all obsessed about Jesus. You're all obsessive. <laughs> and so am I. And, 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 and sure, we can overspeak, underspeak, sideways speak, and, you know, make mistakes. But that doesn't matter because we we... We all know that we have that common admiration, that common devotion in us towards Jesus that's not of us and yet is available to us and mm-hmm. in us. And um, and I just think if we can get back into that mindset, uh, but we can't go, we can't stray too far. It's when we get into all this other theological, you know, net swatting, you know, and uh, that, that we get in, out on these branches. And, and before we realize it, even though Jesus is, is there, I, I just, I've imagined him many times when I get out on a branch, just kind of shaking his head. And he's up there on the branch with me. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, he doesn't want me to, to stay out there. He wants to rein me back into where the. Well, that's when Randy will, that's when Randy jumps in and prunes that branch right off. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? That's all done in the context of trust. All those conversations, because you can blast your posts and memes and messages and 10 minute, 30 minute hour long rants about your faith and what you're mad at. Mm. Uh, but to dig deep into any of those topics, I only have these conversations with you because there's already a trust here that one, I'm allowed to be wrong, which is safe to do here, you know, but I'm also learning how to be less dogmatic in my tone so that I stay teachable. Right. Because mm. I'm hearing different lenses and how you hear different ways. And, you know, uh, Randy's written a book, uh, Putting God in a Box. I forget what it's called. I keep forgetting. Box you can put God in. The box you can put God in because Jesus, the perfect box. And mm-hmm. so to me, Randy, like, just said the, Randy just said the other day, didn't you say uh, Jesus is the box? Yeah. yeah. I heard him say that. It's the yeah. box you can put God in. Right. But if, you're, if your platform is all about being mad, and I just wrote this down earlier, that shock statements. Um, which unfortunately 
um, I started using because my mentors were using them and I was mimicking them and I thought it's the way to go. And I saw the value of the shock statements to get people's attention, but the shock statements will lose their energy. You've got to find bigger shock statements and more and more and more. And if your shock statements, wow. are the fuel of your message, Jesus is not. Yeah. John Edwards is a perfect example of shock statements that just finally just, you know, we all, we've all read the, sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? That was the pinnacle of his shock statement. And he could never get the same result, yep. right? And it, it, we all, none of us believe that, but that's where it goes. At some point, if that's all we have, yeah, we, we, yeah there's got to be more than just, you know, making people just confused, or, yeah. you know, try, trying to bring them into a place of confusion. Like, Jesus is not an author of confusion. He's an author of peace. And sometimes we need a little shock to pop our heart back into rhythm. But the point is we're supposed to get to a nice, steady heartbeat in unison with yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So what, what hope can we offer folks if they're wrestling with who is this Jesus? Because I have a hunch that most people who are writing off Jesus completely are writing off a false concept of Jesus anyway. It's not even the real Jesus they're writing off, which in my mind, I trust the Holy Spirit is still walking with them on their journey. Even though they look like they've left, I think Jesus still has them and will bring them around in their time. I I, I somehow believe that, whether it's after they die or whatever. But Sure. You know, there's got to be a hope. And how do we do it without being dogmatic or really religious, right? Or trying mm-hmm. to sound more right than others. Ooh, yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think Fred has the answer, so. (laughs) I'd be last on this list to have an answer. Um, You know, because maybe it's just a pastor heart and wanting, you know, because people do often are confused on these things. I, I would say, I think my advice would maybe be twofold. Number one, ask him. Ask him. Who are you? Um, Because the Holy Spirit lives within them and he's going to reveal Jesus to them gently. Yes. uh, He will. And humbly, he will reveal him to him. And then I I would also encourage them not to to be a lone wolf. Mm. So that when you get ideas, bring them to the body, bring them to your your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and talk about it so that you're not. Um, separated from the flock and and maybe um, eaten up that way. And so maybe those two things I, I might say. Those are good. I, I would concur as a pastor, don't do it alone. And even as a pastor, I've never been alone in my journey. I've always had mentors, um, friends that are smarter than me, friends that have um, been exposed to world crap and still maintain their faith. <laughs> Um, honestly, like to me, just having those sounding boards of somebody human, um, mm-hmm. it really matters. And like, I got a good buddy of mine. He's a firefighter. We've talked about him before, but I met him at a time where I was just beginning the, my therapy and healing from my sexual abuse as a kid, as a teenager. And uh, he came to my office one day and pardon for the swear word, but he said, can I shoot the shit with you about Jesus? I'm thinking, okay, people don't talk like that normally, but firefighters do. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, so Marines. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Marine. <laughs> so he came in, he came in, taught me how to cry, mm. he told me a story. And he says, I don't know what I believe anymore. 
I said, you know, I don't even believe in God and Jesus and all this. And then he said, wait, nope, just Jesus. That's the only thing I still believe. I don't know what that even means yet. And we became really good friends and we're still really good friends. And we always talk and begin talking about our faith that's connected, not about right theology necessarily, but we're sure a lot more open to exploring stuff, but just Jesus, you know, doesn't have to sound theological. So to me, he's modeled the love of God, the kindness of God, and the teachability of Christ in him more than anybody I know. He probably won't hear this message, but that's that's why I'm saying all this. But it's it's that real. So not being alone. Yeah, that's that's good. I I think too that uh, we have an atrophied metaphysic. And and what I mean by that is we we're the the way that we're being taught to think lacks any metaphysical mystic aspect to it to where we see christ as the mystery of life mm-hmm. and 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 that penetrate and mystery doesn't mean you don't get answers it means you get ongoing answers and, and and evolving answers and better answers and higher answers but the sense of mystery uh you know i i, I shared something on facebook today it was a picture of a book in the mystery section at barnes and noble and they were all turned backwards so you couldn't see their titles all you could see were the pages well played then, well played and then it says well played barnes and noble well played but I was thinking, man, if we could, if we're, we're, we, that's the way Jesus is. We have the pages. He's up on the shelf. He's wanting us to read everything about him, but we want to see the titles first. Or we're not, we're not curious. I think curiosity to me, where, where metaphysics believes is, I tell you what, my life, uh, you know, we were talking about this recently, just, you know, it's, it's not being curious. That's another form of death when, when mm-hmm. we're just not curious. And yet I find that I'm at my best when I'm curious. I, I, I hear more when I'm curious. Everything, only the curious have something to find. And what I would say for people is just be curious about it. Don't just, you know, I see people sometimes just shrug and give an answer. Well, the whole Bible's false. Or, well, there is no Jesus. Or, well, there's, okay, well, that's your conclusion. Well, that took no energy. Yeah. You know, where's the curiosity? What about the very, the very things that we both see in the unseen world? You know, that um, and, and the mysteries of angels, the mysteries of principalities, the mysteries of powers, the mystery of his majestic swirlings around the earth and and how how the Lord moves in things. And what would he do in this situation and all sorts of thought experiments, just where we keep our minds active and virile, you know, in into in seeking, penetrating the mysteries of life. This is an adventure of a lifetime. And the only thing that could take it away from us is losing our curiosity about it. And because people that because because it has been so poorly presented by institutions and so canned and the presentation so canned or on the other side, you were saying earlier about how sensationalistic it all is. Another shock statement. It's like reading a national Enquirer. You know, that's what it becomes like every day is biggest shock statement. And we all get addicted to shock statements and we never penetrate into the the mystery mm-hmm. of Christ and mm-hmm. how that mystery involves in our yeah. life. You know, well, so, I'll, I'll go as far to say there's so many in, in this world of shock statements, in this world of information proliferation, here's reality. We have information beyond our capacity at our fingertips, like no other place in time in humanity. And we're so inundated with knowledge, with Gnostic, right, with, with this, that we, we take the word mystery and we use it as the, as the front page. And then behind it, it's all formula. 
Yeah. I'll tell you the whole quantum kind of world that I've seen that I think has tremendous insights into some of these mysteries. I see so much of it turns into this formulate process for how yes. to how to manipulate God into getting yourself healed. The shortcut. The shortcut. The yeah. shortcut. So anytime we try to form formulaically defies mystery, we've 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 diverted. Right. Or anytime we take anything beyond the certainty of Christ crucified, we divert. And yes. that was going to be my one thing I said. If, you, if I had to tell someone to start somewhere, you start at Christ crucified. That that's the beginning of the story. And I think we've we've also sometimes kind of we start in Genesis or we start in Noah or we start in Psalms or we start maybe even in Matthew or. We start at the cross. That's the image that preeminently starts to define things. And then the ascension confirms that. The resurrection insists, you know, witness to that. And then previously, the birth of the virgin points to that. And so that's the that's the center you were talking about, the concentric circle. That's the center we start at. And if I ever, and communion is the exact same thing, right? Communion is going back to that place, the body the blood and remembering that this is the icon of God first and foremost. And anytime I start to go off course a little bit, that's my, that's my grounding post. I come back there to start. And I think if I had to give encouragement to anybody with community, I'd completely agree with that. With, with that, you, you come back to that spot. So if we have any, we're ever deviating or, or or in this place of trying to find certainty in the mystery, that's where we come back. Mm. Amen. Well, uh, if I could just add to this, I, I, I have this verse. I'm preaching uh, um, Sunday on the treasure hidden ah, in the ah. pearl that the individual looked for for a long time. And then this verse, I find it fascinating, Richard, when you're talking about curiosity. And it's it's what I kind of came up with, with when it talks about being childlike. So it, it says this. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things mm -hmm. from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing Ooh. them Ouch. to the childlike. It's to the childlike. Amen. The That's awesome. Why? 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 <laughs> okay, Bill's arrived. Bill's a child. <laughs> That's it. So I'm thinking that the group that the way I was raised in the faith was we were just we, we figured it out. We were certain. Yeah. There was no more curiosity. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, this mystery. This is. I was thinking that with my grandkids and how wonderful it is when they're like, why? Why? What's this? And I mean, guys, you could be walking with the grandkids and the, and the, the, when they're small and be like, they'll see a squirrel and they're absolutely amazed. I see one every time. <laughs> and they're just like, that what is, it's a squirrel. But to them, it's just, it's this mystery, this life, this incredible world that we're in. And uh, maybe, maybe we've lost the wow, mm. you know, when it comes to Jesus, we think we figured that stuff out and the formula behind it. And uh, maybe we, well, I think uh, the cross got to be more curious. If you can't be awestruck at the cross, then I, I don't know that, you know, yeah, I don't know you have life. Yeah. You, that you is the most pinnacle wow there is. Not awestruck. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if you, 
if you view the cross and, and you understand it, you, you can do nothing but fall on your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think most, most often we don't understand it. Did y'all, did y'all see uh, that, that uh, post about Franklin Graham and Bono talking? No. Mm-hmm. Listen, to this. this is unbelievably good. All right. So, um, yeah, Bono was friends with, with Billy, but it, Franklin, I think they were driving around in a car. So this is Franklin's land. He, he's uh, Franklin Graham. And but this is what Bono says, uh, how the conversation went. So Graham says, you, you really love the Lord? Bono says, yep. And then <laughs> Franklin says, okay, you do. Are you saved? Uh, yep. And saving. And it says Franklin doesn't laugh. No laugh. Uh, and then Franklin says, have you given your life? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Oh, I know Jesus Christ. And I try not to use him just as my personal savior. But, you know, yes. <laughs> why, why aren't your songs um, Christian songs? Oh. They are. Uh, oh, well, some of them are. What do you mean? Well, why don't they? Why don't we know their Christian songs? Yeah. And then Bono says, they're all coming from a place, Franklin. Look around you. Look at the creation. Look at the trees. Look at the sky. Look at those these kinds of verdant hills. They don't have a sign up that says, praise the Lord, or I belong to Jesus. They just give glory to Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that not awesome? I oh, love Richard, that. Could, could you copy that or let us know where you got that? That's 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 incredible. Yeah. Share yeah. that on in our group chat or something. That's really good. Yeah I'll, yeah. I'll send it and let Mike do with it. He's good at fixing those things awesome. up. Thanks for um, sharing that. I love that. I, <laughs> I also would encourage that when folks are questioning it on the journey that you allow, well, for an example, at, at the church I'm with, I, on a Sunday morning, I'll say, folks, don't trust me, the pastor. Um, you need to learn to listen to the spirit of Christ in you. If I happen to say something that resonates with spirit to spirit, great, then cheer and, and high five and let's grow and go together. But just because a, a clergy says something doesn't make it true. You got to learn to listen to the spirit. Same thing. When we start to see this marginalizing of Jesus or deification of Jesus in conversations, we got to trust the voice of the spirit in us that, usually will give us this gut check of, hmm, something doesn't sit right. And there's, but I think it's two stage in some way. Sometimes it's obvious right away. You have this gut thing that, you know what? Something's telling me I'm not going to be eating from that well much longer because something's contaminated there that I, I can't explain. Or you may be hearing something for the first time and it sounds really good, but a little bit later, the spirit will say, but, think about this and it may take you a little longer to process because now it's not sitting right. So first reactions aren't always um, to be fully trusted or leave room for a couple of reactions. Let the Holy Spirit process that in you. Test yeah. all things. <laughs> Back yeah. Then, right. Test all yeah. things. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's important when we come to this ta- uh, conversation about marginalizing Jesus. And I'm not comfortable with, you know, hey, as soon as I hear d- the diminishing of Christ, and Christ in me. And I even don't like the language of I am God. I am now God. Like that kind of language is bull in my mind. Even Jesus didn't equate himself equal to God. So why would we say, well, but I'm like God. Well, yeah, you're in union with God, but you are not the essence as in the revelation. I like the word, whoever said that, but Jesus is me. 
as me in a unique form. You know, I can say, here comes Jesus dressed up as Randy in that red sweater. You know, it's it, here comes Jesus dressed up as Randy. So Randy's unique. Jesus is unique in him, but they're in union. I'm separate. I'm, I'm in union, yet we're in union with each other. There's a whole lot to play in here. So when you start to take away Jesus and the deity, we lose all of our connections too then, if you go down that trail. Well, I think, I think in, uh, in other ways, the, you know, it's, we're the bride, and that's a beautiful thing, but the bride is not the husband. The bride. Uh, that's going to mess up a lot of people. That's going to mess up a lot of people's theology of a sudden when you say it like that. Well, well, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but to, to know that, I mean, we have the authority. We know, we know our, we know our husband, God best. All right. There's even a prophecy in the old Testament that we'll come, to, we'll come to know God so well, we'll call him the Lord, my husband. Mm. All right. But that's the bride that can only come through a corporate sharing, not through an individual, you know, but, but, but just this idea, you know, that the bride it, and granted, this is a biblical notion of the bride, but it's an allegory, you know, that, that we're not, it would be wrong for the bride to say, I am my husband. Yes. I am one with my husband, but I'm not the same oh. as my husband. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I'm definitely not the same as my wife. We know that. <laughs> she can, she's, got, she's creative and an artist. Way and more can, attractive, way smarter. Yeah, yeah. Nice rest to you there. <laughs> Do you guys notice when we talk, I think, in, in, in marginalizing of Jesus, but in that conversation, which Bono and, and Franklin Graham fascinated me, but Franklin Graham, he's coming from a place of separation. Yes. Coming from a place that has some transaction happen. Have you had this? And again, not, uh, I think what Bono is saying is, I'm in union with Jesus. Yes. And, and so I think that whole idea, what, what Franklin Graham's saying, in, in my view, it does marginalize Jesus. Yeah. And totally his father. Outside. He's separate from us, waiting for us to do something in order to get him to come in. Yes. yeah. he already has. And Franklin's yes. daddy saw that union later in life more clearly than he did while doing ministry. And that really threw things in a wrench in the ministry. I, I, I think as we age and stay teachable, I think I, what I'm learning about um, Billy Graham, he became more teachable later. Teachable. He was always, he was always sensitive, but yeah. something happened. He was starting to see things that nobody saw and he was throwing off his religious sponsor yeah. partners. Yeah. Amen. Uh, well, my group said he was, he, he, he got seen out. <laughs> that's what my group said wow <laughs> it did i've because heard that too went, i've heard that too yep yeah i remember going someplace and i had a had him up on the screen and he said something at a with robert Schuler. yep at a, at a that one you remember that oh yeah deal? yes and right. uh, everybody's like well poor for you know uh billy's uh, senile that means <laughs> Schuler would be too for having him on the show well <laughs> well he's a heretic <laughs> oh, that's that, right. That's right. To that group. Oh, but, I forgot. You know, <laughs> but what I'm seeing now is that I just think there was a graciousness. Yeah. If you hear is if you listen to that and, uh, yeah. and something different about him. And when you listen to him preach early on yeah. that, uh, uh, an awareness of something really special that happened. Well, you know, there's a, a passage that says, uh, in the, uh, your gentleness has made me great. And that, that is so true. You know, the gentleness to me, I'm telling you, when somebody is gentle, 
it, they can break a bone. They can break a bone with gentleness, but not break it in a bad way. Just I'm talking about the power of gentleness. And I really saw that, that he had a, he had a meekness on him that I didn't see when he was young. And he, and, and, and it made him so attractive spiritually. I mean, it just, you could see Jesus on him and, uh, and as well as the controversy, you know, anytime Jesus is really on you, you're going to be, you're going to be called all sorts of senile <laughs> things. <laughs> Randy, where would you direct someone when they're in that place of questioning and, um, where, who is this Jesus again? Like, can I trust the Jesus I know, or where do I go? What would you say? Yeah, I would, uh, you would, you would use the words, how would you give hope uh, a little bit earlier in the conversation? And, and I was thinking about that. Uh, I think, you know, there's a scripture that says, um, um, he's able to do more than we can ask or think or imagine. And uh, I, I often think about that because the reason that he's able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine is because he is more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So mm. well, the hope that I would offer, and I have offered this hope to, to people, is you don't know how good he is. You don't know. You don't know. And, and, and our, our job is to pursue him, is to pursue that goodness and that character to know him better tomorrow than I knew him today and to know him better the day after that and to continue to know him. There's a passage where Paul says, um, he says, I want you to, to know the love of God that is beyond knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want you to know this love, but you're never going to get to the end of it. This love beyond our knowledge. So, so I would, my hope that I would offer to anybody is that without being dogmatic and getting into details, you have no idea how good he is. He is, he is amazing. And our imaginations. Better than you've been told, better than you've been told. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. I remember Bruce walk up. Sorry, go ahead, Fred. Oh, I'm sorry. My, I, I just tell our congregation, I said, if you, if you're beginning to think, uh, God, the Father, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. If you're beginning to think this is too good to be true, you're on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. So Bruce walk up in a, an older series that he taught years ago. He's from Australia. He uh, started his presentation off by saying, this message is going to tick some of you off. It likely will. But let me ask you this. Is the message you're hearing making God bigger and better or smaller? And if it's not making him bigger and better, it's not the real gospel because it's so much bigger than we've ever been told. And so who, I thought that's a that? Bruce walk up. Yep. He's uh, he's been on still growing grace with him and Stuart Johnson before they're good guys. Um, but he's connected to perichoresis and Baxter Kruger and all them. Um, but good guy, but the, that has stuck with me for probably 12 years when I first heard it, because there were times where I thought my unlearning was going to hit heretic level and it did because heretic level means thinking for yourself. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable in listening to what the, you know, the agreement of the crowd says, cause then I won't have any hassles, but boy, when you start to have Jesus really wrestle inside you and he's revealing the love already in you look for the light that is in you already. It's not a new message. That's what's scary. You know, everybody's selling new. Well, there isn't new. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, you know, there, you know, there's an ancient argument uh, for God's existence 
and I'm rephrasing it for my own purposes, but it, it's basically that God had, God is too good not to be true. Mm. And mm. that's, that's, you know, and, and um, it's called the ontological argument, but, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm reworking it a bit, but the point is every virtue, every good thing that we know in us to be true, it's, it's in, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. That who's, that's who defines it. That's who shines it. That's who regulates it. That's who gives it. And it's too good. Not that, which is the greatest thing that, that we, that humanity can think of has to be true. Mm -hmm. All right. Because we have the ability to think that high. And so the highest thing we can think has to be true. It has to be divine. So anyway, but that's a nice switch on this. Too good to be true. (laughs) It's too good not to be true too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when we recognize the source and who the source is, and that the source is Jesus, our inspire, our initiator, the initiator of our faith. We talked about that earlier. We can trust that Jesus has got this journey for us. Yes. We don't have to be afraid of overrunning the base. We really don't. Even though we talk about that, we see people doing that all the time. If you trust Jesus in you and listen, learn to hear that gentle voice, I think you're going to be in a great journey. And then you're going to recognize other people who are also on the journey. So anyway. Mm-hmm. We got to wrap this up. Time's flying suddenly. It's like, oh my goodness, this is a lot longer than I wanted to go. But that's okay. This is an important conversation because I think we're not the only ones wrestling with this topic. So, all right. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm going to end this and then look forward to the next one when we get to it. Thanks again. Woo wee. That was fun. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed that because I sure did. Uh, Even though this is pre recorded. I'm watching it and hearing it for the first time with you every week. So even though I'm live, I am live. I'm here. This is this is real time. But the recordings are done like a week before, two weeks before. Um, uh, but I'm watching them and hearing them as if it is the first time. So I love it. Thank you for engaging online. Uh, hello, Joy. Yes, she says, great conversation. And then she says, I know so many believers who go into the new age because it's a form of spiritual living without Jesus. Exactly. In fact, um, there is some stuff in the new age that there are some truths that are being shared in the new age conversations. Um, But just because they have truths um, doesn't mean that is the path. And I'm okay now with people that are, in fact, I can have more meaningful conversations with those in the new age and not be all offended and going, Ooh, you're using the wrong language. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that now, which is really kind of cool because now I'm able to listen and have a a real conversation without an ulterior motive trying to convince them of anything because I can't, um, yeah, anyway, it was good. And good morning to Marty. Good morning, Marty Davis and Jeff. Good morning. Yay. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Next week, we're going to have a conversation called Metaphysical Awareness. Does it matter? That's a whole fun topic, too. Uh, that, that'll be great. So that was, uh, that's a topic that will, I think it's going to turn into a number of conversations because it, it goes deeper than I expected. That's all I've got today. It is uh, just about nine, so i got to run. Thank you so much. Share this video if you enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, have a great week. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.